Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Wow, what a great song. Boom. have to preach after that. It's awesome. God is so good, so great, so huge, so powerful, so mighty, much bigger than our, us all the time, always wanting to explode our minds and build our faith, take us to that something that's bigger than us all the time. Praise God. Awesome. I'm reading from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, and it says this, My child... Listen to what I say, treasure my commands. This is Solomon writing. Remember, Solomon, God very rudely interrupted Solomon's dream, woke him up in the middle of a dream and said, what do you want? Ask me whatever you want, which is, uh, you know, what would you say if you're in the middle of a dream? And uh, he said, I really want wisdom, which is a wise answer. He already had a bit of wisdom to ask for that. And... He went on to write these Proverbs, all the wisdom of the wisest person to have lived. You read other Bible verses, you see that Solomon was into biology and astronomy and geography, all sorts of things that he was into as well. And uh, here they are. We can open up the book of Proverbs anytime. Also the book of Job and Ecclesiastes, uh, Song of Songs, the wisdom literature, and we can learn from him. Verse 2, tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver, seeking them like like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you'll gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, what is just and fair, and you will find the right way to go. You will find the right choice, the right decision to make. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. We'll go out with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. We need to make wise choices. Wise choices set your destiny. Wise choices are what we want everyone in our church to make. We want you to make good choices, smart choices, wise choices, choices that are not foolish choices, but great wise choices. So this series we're talking about is indecision. Whenever you are in a position of making a decision, there are times when we feel indecision. We feel a bit not sure this way or that way. And the number one thing we need is wisdom. If you position yourself into a place of wisdom, you're going to make a better decision. And you notice here it says there, in verse 7, that God gives common sense to who? The honest people. We need to be very honest, honest with ourselves. 
and not deceived. And Melanie's going to be touching on that a bit more next week at this stage. God can change all sorts of things. Make another decision about that. A wise choice. Okay. Also, verse 7. God is a shield to those who walk with integrity. So if you are an honest person and you are really honest with things, you're going to make a better decision than if you are not honest about stuff. If you are sort of shifting around with things and not really want to face the facts. And also, if you are, if you are not a person of integrity, if you have flaws, and we all have flaws, but if you have flaws that you don't deal with, you know, the Bible says if we confess our sins, if we confess our flaws to God, He'll forgive us and cleanse us from them. So we will all have flaws. We just need to repent from them. We need to keep turning from them, even time after time after time sometimes. Because if we don't do that, that lack of integrity, the flaw turns into a crack And now when you get leaned on in some sort of area of your life with responsibility or relationship or something, now it starts to get a little bit like dangerous because there's a crack there. It can't take the weight. And unfortunately, we know many, not many, but we know some Christian people who've gone into leadership and they've had unresolved flaws in their character. And maybe they've papered over them or band-aided over them or ignored them completely. Integrity says, yeah, I'm flawed and I'm dealing with this and I'm honest about it. Because if you do not deal with things, you're going to make a bad decision. And they've had bad, made bad decisions of, in terms of money, in terms of relationships, because the integrity wasn't there. And so the Bible tells us, get wisdom. And part of that is to be honest and to have integrity. You know, Wisdom, God will give us wisdom. James chapter 1, if you, if you lack any wisdom, ask God. He wants to give it to you, right? He will. He wants to give it to you. And we need that wisdom. And God has given us, as I said, the wisdom literature, the Proverbs, a whole book about wisdom. So there's wisdom there, and we are wise if we read that and, and fill our heads with that. The Bible also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it says that a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now that's interesting because it's not as if a person is saying to themselves all the time, there is no God. It's their heart. It's a heart attitude of saying, well, I'll just make this decision based on there being no God. And we are making decisions all the time. Making decisions about uh, what we're thinking about right now. You might be choosing right now, well, I'm going to just uh, really decide that I'm going to listen and hear if God speaks to me today. Or you might have already phased out, well, you've made a decision, well, this is, I'm just going to just sit here, I'm not going to take it, or I'm thinking about something else that's important to me at the moment. Why don't you make a decision that you're just going to open up your heart and your mind to let God speak to you today? That's a decision that we make. We also make a decision about what words we use, make a decision about how we treat other people. And you know, a fool makes decisions as if there is no God. And you and I can do that as well. Even as Christians, we believe there's a God. But when it comes to making certain decisions, we act as if there's no God. We don't ask him. We don't seek his advice. We don't seek a pastor to pray over us and help us. We act as if there's no God. 
But that's a foolish thing to do because the beginning of wisdom is a respect for God. And that doesn't mean that every morning I wake up and, oh God, what should I have for breakfast today? And should I wear the black socks or the dark blue? It doesn't necessarily mean that. But you know what it does mean is that I want to honour God with my body. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you do some research and you find out that this sort of food is not particularly good for the body. So wisdom says I'm not going to, that's not one of my options for breakfast or for lunch or for dinner. Because I'm doing it out of a, a love for God to look after my body. What to spend my money on, how to treat other people. These are all decisions that we make. Some decisions have no consequence to, you know, three weeks' time, and others do. And the more the consequence, the more we need to honour God with our decision-making. Wisdom begins with God. Hey, look at these Proverbs, these examples of some great wisdom in Proverbs. I hope you read the Proverbs. I've got an old Bible, which I have in my desk upstairs, actually. And I went through Proverbs once, and I, verse by verse, and I made up a little emoji, I guess you'd call it these days, a, a symbol for certain verses. So whenever there was a verse, excuse me, about um, how to speak, I'd draw a little tongue next to the verse. If, ever, if there was a verse about money, draw a little dollar sign. If there was a verse about setting goals, I'd draw a soccer goal next to it. So the whole book of Proverbs is full of these little symbols. So I can just go through and I think, oh, I need some wisdom about money. I can go through and read all these Proverbs about money. If I need some wisdom about a relationship issue, I can go through and read all my little love heart verses. And I encourage you, if you want to make good decisions, you need to be wise. You need wisdom. Go and read the Proverbs, get it into you. Look at these great Proverbs as an example. Proverbs 10, verse 5. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but the one, one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. So when I finished my teacher's college course in Goulburn back in... Just a little while ago. I remember going back home to my family home and uh, going out... And I didn't have a holiday. It went straight from, I finished mid-year. So I went straight from college to out, putting my name down in all the primary schools in Canberra. And, uh, and then coming home the next day, I thought, I'm going to have a holiday. And I wanted to sleep in. And then my mother came in at just 7 o'clock or something and said, such and such a school has called and they'd like to offer you a day's work as a relief teacher today. And I said, I don't want to go. I don't want to... I'm really comfortable and I haven't had a holiday. And Fortunately, my mother was a wise woman. But this scripture says, don't be like that. If an opportunity comes knocking, you're a fool if you, if you miss it. If an opportunity comes, harvest it. In the summertime, take the harvest. So I went and did that and that led to a week's work the next week and then that led to a whole term's worth of work. Suddenly, I could afford to, uh, you know, Buy fish and chips. <laughs> Proverbs thirteen twenty, Walk with the wise. He who walks, someone who walks with the wise will become wise. You walk with fools and you'll get into trouble. Have you got some wise friends? Have you got wise friends? Are you surrounding yourself with wise people? 
people who have the same values, people who some of them have a, a bit further along the track than you and they can help you. Do you get on the phone and say, do you, have you got someone that you can have a coffee with to discuss, to discuss an issue with? Because that'll help you become wiser. And we love it. We love it when we see people asking for counsel and advice. Uh, we had a, a church member uh, about two months ago come and ask me, you know, I'm new, new to Canberra and I don't know the real estate market. We want to buy a house, but I know nothing about it. So I need someone to help me. And so I put him in touch with Robin Slater, who's uh, owned and developed many properties in Sydney and in Canberra, and they had coffee together. Now, that is wise. You surround yourself with wisdom and you will become wise. You surround yourself with fools, you actually get hurt because you make a decision that you regret. We don't want you to make a decision that you're going to regret. We want you to make a good decision, a good choice. Look at uh, this one. Proverbs 15.22. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Same deal. Proverbs 20, verse 14. This is an interesting one. The buyer haggles over the price saying it's worthless and then brags about getting a bargain. Now, if you ever want to buy anything, this is the Bible's advice for you. Don't let the seller know how much you want it. Act as if it's hopeless. You call that a car? That is, that you should be taking that to the tip. Look at that. You can always tell, when we sold a car, you can always tell when a, someone from a car yard comes to have a look at the car because they offer you half what you're asking and they tell you everything wrong with the car. They point out all the dings, so that'll cost another 200 bucks. You know. Why? It's wisdom. The wise person says, I'm not sure if I want to buy this house. It's, oh yeah, it's got some good things about it. Even though inside you're saying, this is my house. This is my dream house. You don't tell the real estate agent that. Say, oh, I've looked at a few houses. got a few more to go to. This is all right. Tick some of the boxes. But, you know, we'd have to spend a lot of money on the paint. And, you know, I don't know. And then, then you can come in with the price. And the real estate agent goes to the owner and says, well, you know, they're looking at a lot of houses. And I think this is probably the, the highest they're going to go. That's wisdom. Proverbs is full of that advice. That should have a little dollar sign next to you, the verse in your Bible. Uh, I'm going to jump to Ecclesiastes 11.6, another interesting scripture right here. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both. So how many irons have you got in the fire? Because if you put all your eggs in one basket, you might be missing out on other opportunities. The Bible advises you to have something else. So you've got this job. Are you preparing? Are you learning some other skills? Are you investing in something else? You know, we've made more money with real estate than we ever have with work. What about you? Don't be afraid. God is telling you, if you want to be wise, have a few things on the go. Have you got that book that's in you? Are you writing that? Because Amazon will publish it for free for you and you can sell it. That reminds me that... um, We've got an art show coming 
in middle of October. And if you're a budding artist, we sold 12 paintings last year, average price of $100. We're going to have another art show over two Sundays out there. And uh, get painting. If you're interested in art, if you'd like to do that, start painting and join this art show. Actually, I'll be here Monday night, starting tomorrow night, uh, painting a few things and you're invited to come along. You're drawing, painting, whatever your uh, style is. Okay, so plant some seed over here, plant some seed over there because you don't know which one God's going to bless. It doesn't, you know, sometimes you just have to take a risk. Amen? Am I making sense today? This is more of a teach than a preach today. But sometimes we just need to get our thick heads around, because some Christians think, oh, I just prayed and God said I had to buy a red car, you know. Well, that's not the complete counsel of wisdom of God. Okay, look at this example here. Uh, 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 to 5. Here we have King David and... You know, I've got this software thing where that's it. Great. All the all my annotations were all scribbled and I had to it's really it was really hard, huh? All right. Two Samuel seven verses one to five. When King David was settled in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan, and he wanted to build a proper temple, a tabernacle, yeah, temple. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan the prophet, go and tell my servant, David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build the house for me to live in? In other words, you're not going to do it, David. Uh, you know, your son's going to do it. You've got too much blood on your hands. Your son Solomon's going to do it. And uh, I'm going to make him and all his line a, a, a line of kings. And, uh, but there's so much about decision-making in this scripture. So let's just dig in a little bit. First of all, it says here, When King David was settled in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies. You know, David had a track record of success. He didn't start, you know, when I went to my first primary school as a teacher, I didn't walk into the principal's office and say, and say uh, yeah, I think we need to change some of these classrooms around and I think uh, the, that, that uh, student needs to go over here, that teacher should be teaching. No, because I just had to be faithful with my sphere of influence. I, God said, here is a little sphere of influence. Be faithful with that. See what you can do. If you're faithful with that, then I'm going to give you a bigger sphere of influence. And sometimes we think, oh, I'm aiming for this. And God says, well, let's start here. I'm going to make, God wants me to make a movie, Christian movie. All I need is $10 million. Who wants to invest? And God says, well, how about you make a five-minute movie and put it up on YouTube and see if anyone actually likes your stuff. Start with what you've got. In fact, the Bible says, whatever you find in your hand to do, do it with all your might. And so whatever you're doing, do a really good job with it because I guarantee you someone will notice and then the sphere of influence will grow and you'll get better offers and better opportunities. So David had been faithful with the little things. You know, he was looking after some sheep 
And there are plenty of shepherds looking after sheep, and they just sheep. But to him, they were his sheep. And he cared for them as if they were like little children. So when the wolf came, he said, I'm going to kill this wolf. He had a little bit of influence. And then a lion came. Okay, it's a bit bigger, but I'm going to kill the lion. What's happening to him? He's growing in stature. And then a bear comes. It's a big bear. Stands up on its back legs and says, so I'm going to kill this bear. And then when the people of Israel, God's children, are threatened by Goliath, God says, hmm, my children are under threat. I know a guy who treats sheep as if they're his children. He's going to come over here and he's been faithful with this and this and this. I'm going to put him in charge of this. And he comes, David, and he says, right, I've taken out the wolf, the lion, the bear. I'm going to take you out, pal. And you don't speak to God's children like that. Don't threaten his kids. So his sphere of influence grew to encompass a whole nation. Here he is. He's been faithful. The Lord has settled his house. The Lord has put all his neighbors down. And now so he's in a place where his influence goes to what does he want to do? And this is the thing. He was wanting to honor God. As I said at the start, we honor, number one thing is to honor God. Number one thing, if we want to honor God, what is it you want to do? What is the dream? It might not be a dream that happens tomorrow, but it might be some issue, some matter, some dream that you have, and you can do something about it. Have you got one of those? God's very interested in what we want to do. Jesus says, what do you want me to do to the blind person? What a great question. Well, hello. But Jesus wants us to, wants to hear it. What do you want me to do? So, he honors God. He does two things. First of all, I want to build God an awesome temple. I have got a dream. Very good to have a dream. Second thing he does, he asks for advice. People who are wise ask for advice. We already heard that. You get counsel. In many counsel and many advisors, a great decision is made. So he says to Nathan, uh, you know, you are the man of God. I'm trying to build God a house, so I want your advice. I want your inputs, please. And it's interesting that Nathan's reply is, whatever's in your heart, go and do because God's with you. God's with you. God's default position for every person here is, Whatever you want to do, do that. And the interesting thing is that a lot of people don't know what they want to do. I don't know what I want to do. So if, why would someone give you a lot of money to go and do something if you don't even know what you do with it? The Bible says a man or a woman, uh, that their thoughts are very deep and a man of understanding draws them out. The purposes of a man's heart, I can't remember the actual scripture, the purposes of a person's heart are a deep well. And a wise person of understanding draws it out. What is it in your well? Do you know? Do you know what your dream is? Okay, now the default position from God is whatever's in there, do that. I'm with you. I'm with you. And, And some people can get very... Uh, spiritual about this. Oh, I'm just waiting for God. I remember uh, uh, meeting a 40-year-old man when I was about 20, and he was a devoted Christian for since he was a teenager, and he was very serious and diligent. I'm just waiting on God 
to tell me what to do with my life. He's 40 years old and he still didn't know. He was not a man of understanding. He'd never drawn it out. You think, oh, that's just my dream. It might not be God's dream. Well, where do you get your dreams from? If you love God with all your heart, you'll get dreams coming up and you think, that's an awesome, I could give my whole life to that. And God says, that's right. I'll put that dream in you. Go for it. Now, you get some advice, you get some counsel, you get some people around you who have, who have done something like that or who know some wisdom about that thing and you ask them for their input. You get someone you trust, you get a pastor to pray over you and pray for you to help get you some guidance. You, you're hearing the voice of God through your uh, heart. But you're also getting wisdom around you because someone will say to, might say to you, that's a great idea, but you know you're probably going to have to go to university and do this training before you can achieve that goal. Oh, I can't do that. God wants me to do it. Yeah, but you know, God's got all the time in the world and he really needs someone who knows what they're doing to do that. Or they might say, well, that's great, but why don't you save up some money and then you go over there. You might have a dream for, uh, to help some children in Africa. That doesn't mean you have to start a whole organization to do that. It may not even mean that you have to go over to Africa. It may just mean that, well, you know, I'm just going to make sure that 10% of my money, uh, in addition to my church commitments, goes to a charity that's already over there doing a great job, or 5% or whatever it is to support a Watoto child or whatever it is, but you just make a decision. That's part of my dream. And you have wisdom around you that gives you that advice. You know that all our dreams should reflect God's dream. And God's number one dream is for people to meet Christ. Number two dream, to build the church. They're the two things God's doing on earth right now. He also created marriages as an institution and he's also really keen for them to work as well. So those three things are all God's dreams. So our dreams fit in with those. Nathan's... The prophet then heard from God, specifically, a specific prophetic word. And if it's really important enough to God, you'll get that word. Particularly if you're doing what David did, which is kind of not doing exactly what God wants. And you'll feel a check or you'll have someone pray and they say, you know what, I'm not getting that excited about that. I think I'm thinking more of this or I'm... Not so sure about that, but the real point is this. God wants you to make a decision and to take responsibility for it. That means after you've, you know, this 40-year-old guy, he was waiting for some clear guidance, he called it. You'll never get 100% clear guidance. You'll never get a failure-free guarantee. You'll never get a risk-free guarantee from God. It'll always require your faith muscle. You'll always require you to step out of the boat. Should I marry this woman? Well, you love her, you, you care about her. You know. Yeah, but God, just give me the final, final, final 100% tick. I'm not going to do that, he says. You step out of the boat, make a decision. You know, this option generation, I didn't have to worry about choosing which cereal from 300 different types of cereal. We only had wheat, bix, rice, bubbles and cornflakes. That's about it. And uh, some, sometimes people in the uh, young adults these days can be, have, have so many options that it freezes them. And I remember when I made the decision to uh, marry Melanie, she had already made the decision six, 
two years before me. When I made that decision, it had that, I had that option thing, you know, and I had, it's like a devil that says, oh, if you choose this option, you won't be able to have any other option. I encourage you, young adults, it, it is part of growing up to say no to every other option and su- shut the door and say, I am never having those. I choose this. And that can take faith to make the final step. I close off every other career for now. I'm going for this for the next 10 years at least. And I'm going to put my heart and soul into that. I close off every other option. It'll actually make you a stronger person and you won't be missing out. Fear of missing out is a fear. It's not a faith. We have to act in faith. And uh, Nathan said to David, this is what the Lord has declared. And it was a specific word for David. There will always be a risk. One good thing about uh, following Christ is that risks are okay because God promises that all things will work together for good. So even if we do something that turns out to be not so good, he says, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. I'm so glad I got sacked from a job in Sydney uh, when I was about, I don't know, 23, 24. We'd been married for 10 years. And because... I could still be there now in a horrible job that, that I didn't like and they didn't like me and it was hard work being a salesman and, uh, you know, the most natural thing for my skills and, and my interests was to teach and uh, I'm so glad that, I, that that was a fail. And we've had houses that we should have held on to that we sold and other houses that we sold that we should have sold and we held on to them, the one now. And there's a promise from God that don't worry, all things are going to work out for good. It's going to be okay. So we don't have to fear that if we step out of the boat, oh, that's going to be the end of everything. No, because God says, oh, turn that around. Don't worry. Anything you do, just where's your heart, where's your dream, go with that. I'm in it. Take the risk. Make the decision. Make the choice. Look at this verse in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1, 24. To those, God, to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The closer we get to Christ, the more wisdom we absorb because we understand that he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And everything, uh, all wisdom is an aspect of, God, of Jesus. And so every, every question that we have ultimately is answered in him. So even the, the verses in the Proverbs are talking about Jesus. They're talking about how he would act. They advised him, when you're in this situation, do this. And Jesus did it all perfectly. He is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God came to it. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.